Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 8, Acts chapter number 8, and I want to look at verse 26, Acts chapter number 8, and verse 26, praise God, amen, I've felt this uh, passage on my heart over the last couple of days, and um, I, I just feel to preach upon it here this morning. Acts 8 and 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under cadence, Queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning, setting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, and thou, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I just want to focus on verse 36, and it says, As they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder? What doth hinder? I just want to use those 
uh, three verses or three words rather as a subject here this morning. What doth hinder? Let's lift up our hands once again to the Lord and let's pray for his blessing, his anointing, his touch upon the remainder of this service. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm asking you right now that you would move in this house, <clears throat> that you would touch the lives of people, strengthen, bless, minister, have your way. God, you see folks that are here this morning that need you desperately. I pray that you would talk to them and help them and speak to them. God, you know every individual that needs the Holy Ghost. You know every person here that needs to be baptized in your name. I pray, God, that you would deal with their hearts today. We have confidence that you can call men to repentance, and we thank you for it. In the name of the Lord, would you give praise to him right now? <clears throat> Come on, let's really give praise to the Lord right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. No two persons' testimonies in coming to the Lord is the same. Where God brings a person from, the events uh, that surround uh, that experience and you coming to the Lord or what he delivered you out of, how God worked in your life and moved upon you, how it was that you came to the truth. All of us have an individual story and testimony to tell of how God has been so merciful in our lives and how God has worked to save us. And he is the one that has done the work. Amen. He dealt with our hearts. He drew us to an altar, there was some things that we had to do. There was some things that we had to be obedient to. There was some things that we had to open our hearts to. But it was him that paid the price. Amen. And you need to realize that this morning, that God has paid the price for each and every person under the sound of my voice to experience salvation. It is His will. He's accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished. All you have to do is to accept the message of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and come to an altar, repent of your sins, and accept the fact that God is able to forgive you of your sins and be obedient to the Word of God and be baptized in His name and receive this wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Which is a gift. Again, you don't have to purchase it. You don't have to give anything for it necessarily. Amen. As far as monetary things is concerned, but you just open up your heart and receive it in faith. Amen. It takes faith to come to God. The Bible tells us that we must have faith to please God. When we come to God, we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So having faith in God and His power to save is where it all begins and where it all starts for you and I. Amen. And though every one of us have a separate story and every one of us have an individual testimony 
of God's goodness in our life. And we can tell in detail of how that God reached to us and saved us. Yet there's one common characteristic that everyone's conversion has. And that is, it is miraculous. Matter of fact, if we had to describe it in one word, that's probably the word that is most fitting, is that it is miraculous. The greatest miracle that could happen in this service today is not the miracle of healing, yet that is a tremendous thing. I am thankful that God is still a healer. I'm one of those that still believes in divine healing. In fact, we've seen it many, many times in this congregation through the years. We've seen it even recently where God has touched people and healed people and raised people up from afflictions that they were struggling with in their body. So I, I do believe that God is able to heal and it's a great possibility before this service is over today that somebody could be touched. The virtue of the Lord could flow to where you are and you could be healed of whatever manner of sickness or disease or health complication that you may have. I, I have a God that is able. I want to proclaim to you today that when you pray in the name of the Lord, you can expect results. And we've seen people healed, and I believe that God is able to heal. Do I have a church that believes that this morning? Amen. And if we're not, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get to the point that we discriminate on just what it is that God is able to heal and, and what is outside of his sphere of power we, we'll get to looking at certain challenges in our life and say, well, I, I believe God for this, but I don't believe uh, that he's able to do this other thing for me. Uh, perhaps there's somebody here that has a, uh, a disease that is terminal. Perhaps there's somebody that you know that is suffering with something that is serious and life-threatening. And if we're not careful, we can believe God for minor things. But when it comes to the major things, uh, we're dismissive and we say, well, I just don't know if God is able to do that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I want to state to you today that there is no such thing as majors and minors with God. When it comes to the God that I'm preaching about, uh, it's just as easy for him to heal cancer as it is a headache. It's just as easy for him to heal diabetes uh, as it is for him to heal somebody that has a fevered brow this morning. Whatever the situation is, uh, my God is able, he is faithful, and his word says that he has the power to heal you. What did the Bible say? It says that he will heal you of all of your diseases. Amen. It doesn't leave anything out. Just in case you're wondering, uh, just in case uh, you have doubts in your mind, uh, he said, I will heal you of all of your diseases. And, and I can see question marks in people's minds as they say, well, what about people that die of those diseases that die in the faith? Well, we have a whole chapter that a portion of it is dedicated to people that held on in faith, yet uh, they were not delivered necessarily at the time that they prayed and they passed on. And the Bible says they died in faith. 
But yet God honored their faith and their faith was that they would trust God and believe God that he knew what was best for them. That's a higher level. That's a higher plane and understanding of faith. That's another dimension of faith. That knowing God, I believe that you can heal. I believe that you can set free. I believe that you can raise up from all manner of afflictions and diseases. But if you choose not to, then you've got a plan that is bigger than my plan. You know something that I don't know. And you're interested in the salvation of souls before you interested in anything else so I'm going to trust that you know what's best for me amen because ultimately you will be healed because the Bible says if you're saved and you go to heaven every tear is going to be wiped every tear that you've cried in pain is going to be wiped from your eyes amen in that city there'll be no sickness there'll be no death so ultimately God will touch and heal your body it may not be in the timing that you but you just hold on in faith God God's got a way of taking care of us. He knows what's best for you and I. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, and I'm going to keep on worshiping here. Keep on praising here. Keep on believing here. Keeping on rejoicing in here. That he, amen, is able to carry me through. He's helping to help, able to help me to bear every burden that I need to bear. Praise God, praise God, praise God. What a wonderful God that we serve that has the ability to perform the miracle of healing. He also has the ability to, to answer every prayer that is in this house this morning. Amen. I'm just telling you, God is a prayer answering God. And again, it doesn't matter how insignificant that it may seem to somebody else. If it matters to you, it matters to God when you pray in faith. Amen. We sometimes think of our situations and our needs. And when we look at someone else, we think, well, what a minor ordeal that they're facing. But you don't know what that means to them or what it is that may be tormenting them. You know, you can observe a situation with carnal eyes and you really only see half of the situation. But God, who is all-knowing, is able to see his, his eyes penetrate beyond just the natural and the physical barriers that you and I are limited to. And he sees down into the heart of a person. He sees the hurt and the pain. He sees the fears. He sees the concerns. And he sees all that they're dealing with emotionally. And I have a God that is able to hear the cry and the prayer of a person that feels like that they may be losing hope. I want to tell you that God is able to hear you right where you are. You may say, well, I'm not as strong as others. My faith is not as, it doesn't have the vitality that I see in others. It doesn't have the strength that I see. And I, I don't seem to be on top of it and as powerful as others in my prayer life. 
But I read in my Bible where Jesus said that a smoking flax and a bruised reed he would not do away with. Amen. But he would care for and he would nourish it. Amen. He would hear the, the cry of somebody that is weak and calling out to him in faith and praying with a sincere heart. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you this morning that if you're sincerely seeking after God, it doesn't matter how weak you feel at the moment. I've got a God that has the strength and the power to reach you and pull you up out of that situation and give you the ability to walk on and be blessed and do what you need to do in the will of God and live an abundant life before Him. Amen. Don't give up hope just because things it seemed like lately have turned against you. But put your faith in God. Put your faith in God this morning. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord. Put your faith in God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on, it doesn't matter if it's a financial breakthrough that you need. It doesn't matter if it's some situation in your family that nobody knows about. Amen. It may be some, some ordeal on the job that it may be minor to everybody else, but it's a big deal to you. I'm telling you, don't give up hope. Don't stop bombarding heaven with your prayers. Have faith in God. God is able to give you a miracle today. Oh, somebody give him a wave offering, right? Hallelujah. And those are all, every one of these things are great miracles. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I'm hung up on this. But I just come to remind somebody we're serving a miracle working God. But you know what the greatest miracle is? It's the miracle of salvation in the lives of people. Come on, you think about it. What people spend money on nicotine patches and all this other paraphernalia that they try to use to figure it out and to get delivered and they can't seem to get it. And they go to this and that extreme to try to break the cycle of addiction in their life. And they can't seem to overcome it. Can I tell you that we have a God that is able to save somebody. And you can leave your past in the past. It doesn't have to dog you and take away from your future and, and cause you to, to have doubts about the ability and the power of God and what He is able to do uh, in your life and, and affect uh, things uh, that God has in store for you. Amen. God is able to save your soul. That's the greatest miracle when a person comes into the presence of Almighty God. They may not even know or haven't experienced before or have any background in Pentecost, but when they step into a service where the Holy Ghost is flowing. 
Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost is really moving in the presence of the Lord and people are worshiping God and feeling after the presence of the Lord. And, and as they're feeling after the presence of God and worshiping God, uh, there's something that begins to, to, to get on that, that visitor, that guest uh, that is in the service. Uh, they begin to feel something that they never felt before. Maybe they came with reservations. Uh, maybe they came with doubts in their mind. But I'm going to tell you, when you experience the power of God in the presence of the Lord in your life, it doesn't matter with what attitude that you came. It doesn't matter with what ideas that you might have had before you got here. It doesn't matter, amen, how you may have felt when you walked through the doors. Amen. But when He touches you, there's just something about the touch of Almighty God. There's just something about the touch of the power of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost begins to move, upon an individual. Amen. When the Holy Ghost begins to touch the heart of a person, amen, suddenly they realize this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been praying that I would find. This is what I've been seeking all of my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about here today? And I'm going to tell you the greatest miracle that can happen in this house this morning. I love to see somebody healed. I love some somebody receive some type of prayer being answered in your life. But the greatest miracle is to see somebody get under the conviction of the Holy Ghost this morning and come down to this altar and say, God, I'm ready for a new life. I'm ready for a change. I don't want to live the same. I don't want to be the same person. I want a new birth. I want a new beginning. I want a fresh start. I want a new lease on life. And they repent of their sins and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm turning my back on the world. I'm walking away from all of that. I'm doing my part. But as much as I try, I can't do it by myself. As much as I want to, I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need your power. I need you to forgive me of all of these deeds that I have done. All of these things that I've been involved in. I repent, God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, right when you repent, you become a candidate for the Holy Ghost. Right when you repent, you can receive this glorious promise of His Spirit. Right when you repent and get your heart right from God with God and you have faith and you begin to worship the Lord, it's then. You don't have to wait. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to come for six months to get it. You can get it right now in six minutes. After you come to this altar, if you come in faith and you repent of your sins, God is able to feel somebody with the Holy Ghost here this morning. It's His promise. He's able. He has the power. He has the strength to do it. We don't have to wonder where that power comes from. We know there's nothing we can do to give somebody the Holy Ghost, but God can give you the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. If you get the Holy Ghost before you're baptized, you get the Holy Ghost on credit that you will be baptized. Because I read in the Scripture where there was a group of Gentiles that received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10, 
And once they received the Holy Ghost, he said, Can any man forbid water? These have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. He was looking at his Jewish comrades that were there. Can any man forbid water? Seeing that these have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He said, it's time right now for you to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they were baptized, completing this new birth experience of death, burial, and resurrection. When you die out in an altar, that's repentance. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, that's being buried in his name. And when you, amen, are resurrected through the power of the Holy Ghost, there's nothing like it. You can walk a new walk. You can live with a new identity. You can be a different person. You are changed. You are changed through this conversion that I'm talking about. Oh, yes, if you've witnessed this, why don't you cup your hands to the Lord and give Him worship right now? But I want to get to the meat of what I'm talking about. Can I tell you that salvation is not coincidental? Events that appear to be happenstance and just things that were random you suddenly realize once you get an understanding of God and His Word that that really wasn't having stance at all. That really wasn't a coincidence at all. That wasn't just some random thing that happened. Even all the way back there, though I may have not understood it then and I may have not responded to it at that time like I should have, God was dealing with me and providing me opportunities all the way back there. There's usually a chain of events that leads to a person's conversion. Uh, some of you remember just a few weeks back. Uh, well, I guess it's been a couple of months now. We had Brother Jeff Arnold here with us. And I have heard his testimony. He's told it several times in, in meetings that I have been in. And he told how that he was a person that was raised in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and didn't know anything about God, was raised around uh, the church. And uh, he was living in the state of Florida at the time and uh, living a very sinful life. Every weekend out doing the things that the people of the world do and coming home to his wife in an inebriated condition, and his marriage, therefore, was in trouble. It was on the rocks and, and uh, looked like it was falling apart. And, but God began to deal with him. How many knows that God can deal with people? God began to stir his heart. He said, just in the middle of the night, I would go to bed, be drunk. And he said, in the middle of the night, he said, God would begin to move on me. And he said, I could feel his presence come into that room where I was sleeping and wake me up out of a dead sleep. And he said, I would pop my eyes open thinking somebody's in the room and sit up in the bed and look around and think, what is that? What is that I'm feeling? What is going on? 
And uh, he said, I'd get up and walk around, go to the refrigerator and, and uh, get something to drink and sit down and question myself, what, what's happening? What's, what's taking place? And, and uh, not realizing, having, having never experienced the presence of God. And then uh, you go back to bed eventually. And, and then the second night, uh, about the same time, he, he felt the presence of the Lord come into the room and set up in the bed. And what is this? And, and, and then the third night, same thing. Finally, his wife said, what's going on? What's happening to you? He said, I don't know. He said, but I think God is dealing with me. And he didn't know how to put it in words or how to describe it. But he said, I think God is calling me. and God is moving on me. And she said, well, said we, we got to go to church. And uh, they didn't really, uh, she had had some Pentecostal background that he was not even aware of. And uh, they went to a local church there. And he said, when the altar call was given, I went down to the front and, and uh, I started praying. And he said, I just getting to really getting sincere before the Lord. And he said, they started patting me on the back with big smiles on their face and saying, yeah, that's it. You're saved now. You're saved now. And he said, you know, I, I didn't feel any different. I, I still felt the heaviness and the burden of sin. And they were all real happy and, and pat me on the back. And he said, suddenly that little meek and mild wife of mine, she bounded right up there in the mix of it. And she said, he's not saved. Said, he hasn't even been baptized yet. Uh, he hasn't got the Holy Ghost yet. And their eyes got the biggest silver dollars. And they looked and they knew that they had a little apostolic on their hands at that point. Uh, and she said, we got to find a church uh, that, that preaches the truth of God's word. Amen. And they found a place. Uh, and he was baptized in the name of the Lord. And filled with the Holy Ghost. And the rest is history. What are you trying to say? Amen. God deals with people. Nothing in your life is by happenstance. All the way back there, God allowed that little girl to be brought on a bus to a church that taught her the truth in a Sunday school room. And years later, when her marriage was in trouble, God began to deal with her husband. They went to a church and suddenly something woke up in her mind and she realized we need more than this. I felt more than this. I know there's more than this. I know there's more in God's word than this and they went amen and they went to the church that preached the truth and God changed their life what are you trying to say I'm trying to tell somebody here today you just thought it was accident that you stumbled in here this morning you just thought it was accident that God began to draw you and move upon you and you felt directed amen and you felt that I can't be satisfied in this place where I've been before amen suddenly something change in you and you said I, I gotta have more than this I, I can't be satisfied with that I, amen what they've been telling me there's gotta be more to it than that oh does anybody know what I'm talking about today amen it's not happenstance verse 26 says and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. And I like this little last few words where it says, which is desert. Letting us know. As, you know, most people at that particular time, they knew what was south of Jerusalem. They knew the land. But it's letting us know 
hey, this is a dry place. Nothing there. You know, it's amazing that God sometimes has to take people to a desert to deal with them and to get them thirsty and to get them hungry for him. And they wake up and realize, I need God in my life. I need something more than this. Not satisfied anymore. And nothing lo- there's nothing logical about this verse 26, that he would leave Samaria. Have you read the first portion of Acts chapter 8 about the kind of revival that they were having? This was Philip's, if you could say it this way, this was his breakthrough revival in his ministry. I mean... This is his first big splash as far as revival is concerned. Miracles happening. Deliverance is taking place. Devils being cast out. To the point that a sorcerer by the name of Simon, he said, whatever kind of power that you guys got, I need some of that power because I've never seen anything like it in my life that's comparable to it. And so... Uh, These great things are happening. The Bible says it's overtaking the city. The great joy filled the city. People getting the Holy Ghost. People being baptized. And God speaks to Philip through an angel and says, it's time for you to leave and to go south into a place where there's no population. You talk about obedience. You talk about faith that it took to step away from this great, glorious move of God and to go to a desert place. This reminds us and underscores to each person in this place that God is interested enough in one soul, one person finding God, that he would direct an evangelist and say, Your portion of this revival in Samaria is over, but there's one soul that is searching. There's one soul that is hungry out there, and I want you to go to where he is, and I'm going to cause your paths to cross. It's going to take faith to do it, but you're going to go down there, and you're going to preach and teach to this man the truth. Isn't that amazing how God orchestrates things, how God works in things, how God deals in situations, and how God can work things out to reach one person. I'm going to tell you, I preached in meetings before where there's hundreds of people, and I believed that the message that I was preaching was for one person in that congregation. Matter of fact, it was almost like a magnifying glass was put right over their head. And that's the only person that I could see. And it was like a light shining on them. And that's the person that God told me that I was to reach for in that service. I've had that type of situation. You know what that is? That's a demonstration of the love of God. That's a demonstration of just how much God wants to save somebody. And God wants to move on somebody. And God wants to deal with somebody's heart and reach to salvage their soul. That's the value of one soul. I'm going to tell you, every person that's in this place is valuable to God. It's the will of God that every person in this place repent of their sins and be delivered from their sins and, and receive this wonderful gift that I'm preaching about. It's, it's the will of God that everybody have them washed away in the waters of baptism. It's the will of God that everybody finds salvation. It's the will of God. Amen. He said, I want you to go down there. I know it isn't going to seem logical. I, I've told this story before, but 
I was preaching in Missouri one time, and the next revival that we had, uh, just, I mean, on late notice, canceled out, and it was to be uh, a couple of three weeks, I believe, that was on schedule to go, and uh, that was back in the time that I really followed a, a schedule, and so anyway, I, I was devastated, of course, and didn't know what God was up to and what was happening, but you know, that very night when the revival where I was at closed, I got to praying about it, and God began to move in another area nearby, and they had a glorious service where, where people were hungry for God and lingering in the altar, and the pastor just announced service for the next night. He said, I don't know. He said, we may just have service tomorrow night, and that'd be it. And he said, I'll, I'll find somebody to come preach it, and, and they called for me to come over there, and uh, I preached that night, and little did I know that day the pastor was driving down the road, and he picked up a hitchhiker. Now, I don't recommend you do this. But again, nothing is happenstance. Nothing is by chance. And it wasn't even his normal practice to do something like this. But he picked this man up, took him home with him, and taught him a Bible study. Fed him a little something to eat. Taught him a Bible study. Brought him to church that night. And he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they baptized him in Jesus' name. You may say, well, what could ever become really of that? I mean, obviously, he didn't have much going on if he was hitchhiking and he wasn't much uh, oh no he is now the Spanish pastor at that church uh, that has several amen in that congregation what are you trying to say I'm trying to tell you nothing is by chance uh, when God begins to move on people's souls uh, God knows God understands God directs uh, God works things out I preach it to somebody here today don't be dismissive of anything don't don't be don't don't don't, don't, don't look at something and say, well, I don't know what much could come out of that. Oh, I'm telling you, God, when he works, amen, you have to have faith and belief that he's in control and he knows what to do. Come on, clap your hands to him right now. This, this, this Ethiopian man was so hungry for God. And that's where it starts. The Bible said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. My grandfather had been away from God from childhood. His daddy had passed away that had been his pastor growing up. But he'd been away from God. I mean, about as far off in sin as you could possibly get, but something began to stir up in him. And he started reading the word of the Lord on his breaks at his job. And then he was hospitalized for a period of time, and he said to me one time, I remember it distinctly, he said, while I was there in the hospital for that period of time, he said, I read that Bible incessantly. He said, I mean, every waking moment I was reading the Word of God. And he said, finally, that hunger began to, it was in my heart so that I felt like it was about to burst. And he said, I, I asked where I could go to, to find, I asked my mother where I could go to find the truth preached. And he said, I went there and, and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and God turned 
things around, but it started with one man's hunger. And out of that one man's hunger, I stand here today. Out of that one man's hunger, several in our family are living for God, and many of them preachers of the gospel. How, how does it happen? One person in this place that God could get a hold of, and God could touch, and God could stir up, and God could, he's wanting to change your course this morning, but it won't only be you that is touched, and it won't only be you that is moved, to, moved upon, it's going to be others that are going to be saved as a result of you being obedient to God, you opening up your heart to God God is going to reach through your 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 conversion he's going to touch somebody else's life he's going to move upon somebody else's soul he's going to minister to somebody else's need because one got hungry but he needed a teacher and the Bible says he was reading those scriptures in the book of Isaiah like a lamb dumb before his shears. So open he not his mouth. He's shaking his head. He don't quite get it. Suddenly Philip crosses paths with him. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And note what the Bible says. It said at that same scripture, he preached unto him Jesus at that same scripture he preached unto him he was reading over there in the messianic prophet Isaiah that was pointing ahead to a time that he didn't even realize that he was living in the time is now in other words what you're reading about the prophet was pointing to and you're living in that time and Philip explained that to him and began to preach to him Jesus I know we all like to be connoisseurs of great preaching and we all like to listen to our favorite preachers and we all like to like to listen to the, that one that can, can, can tickle our fancy when it comes to preaching and, and we're all connoisseurs of that. But I'm just going to tell you something. There's something about preaching the simplicity of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's still what changes people's lives. That's still what turns people around. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus that is able to deliver them. It's the name of Jesus that is able to heal them. It's the name of Jesus that is able to restore them. It's the name of Jesus that is able to wash away those sins. It's the name of Jesus that needs to be glorified. It's the name of Jesus that needs to be lifted up. It's the name of Jesus that needs to be preached about more often. It's the name of Jesus that we need to praise a whole lot more than we do sometimes. It's the name of Jesus that is worthy of the glory and the honor. The Bible said as he's preaching to him, Jesus, as they, how does it say it? As they went on their way. You know, everybody's experience isn't the same. I, I know folks, they come, the first service they come to, bang, seems like they just get it all. I mean, uh, they, they, they come in, well, they, they certainly can't, they can't get everything as far as discipleship is concerned, but I mean, as far as they come in, they don't understand a lot about the new birth, and the gospel, and 
They come here at preach, and they come to an altar, repent of their sin, and that same night, baptize in Jesus' name, fill with the Holy Ghost. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I can't tell you that that always happens that way. A lot of times we come and we experience it, we feel it, and we receive it. We take that little bit and go home and we mull it over in our minds and we consider it and we look in the Scripture for ourselves and search and we come back and hear a little bit more and God begins to deal with us and maybe convict us in some areas and we feel uh, uncomfortable with some things that we we're participating in or doing or sins that we're involved in and we clear that up and we come back and then we discover that maybe there's some more things that we need to deal with and other areas that we, we need to adjust in our lives and, and God continues to work. As they went on their way, as he was preaching to him, understanding was coming to this man. And as understanding was coming to him, God was dealing with him about what he needed to do. I'm going to tell you, that's what the anointed preaching of the Word of God is for. It's not just for entertainment. It isn't for entertainment. It isn't for us just to come and, and to get a spark of encouragement until we can make it till the next service. But God speaks through His Word, through a man of God that He anoints, and He gives us instruction on what we need to do to be saved. Hallelujah. And even for a season, saying of God, there's fine-tuning that happens and there's adjust, adjustments that take place and there's areas of our lives that we need to tune up and, 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 and change about us uh, according to the Word of God. Maybe we're slack in some area. Maybe we've got off course in some area and we have to, we have to come back to, to center again and we have to come back to the Word of God and align ourselves and be obedient to the Word of God once more. And God begins to deal with us in that way he begins to move upon us as we walk with him as we journey with him God begins to deal with us but I'm going to tell you as he was receiving revelation of what it took to be saved responsibility comes with revelation when you receive a revelation of the truth you may have not understood it before, but when you receive a revelation of the truth, you, you have to act on it. You have to respond to it. It's your opportunity at that point to, to do something with what you have received. And this man, as they were going along and Philip was preaching to him and he was telling him what it was going to take to be saved, evidently he got on the subject of baptism. It doesn't plainly say it right there, but evidently he did because when they passed by a certain body of water, the scripture says that the Ethiopian turned around to evangelist Philip and said, whoa, wait, wait just a minute. Let's don't go any further than this. Right there is some water. We don't have to get all the way down to Jerusalem for me to be baptized or we don't have to go all the way down to the next city for me to get this done. But right there is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? In other words, I've received a revelation of what it's going to take and what I've got to do. You've explained to me the truth. I can't stop now. Amen. I've got to do something. I've got a responsibility to do something about this revelation that I have received. I need to respond by being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's water. Let's get this deal done. I like that kind of attitude, don't you? I don't have to wait. I don't have to be begged into it. You don't have to drag me down. I read a, <laughs> read about one evangelist that, that he was so hungry for converts. He was so desirous for converts that uh, somebody came in. He said, hey, uh, what about that person over there? I said, well, I think he belongs to a certain uh, group of people that really that he's just coming to kind of study us. He said, well, it looks like a good convert to me. And he went down there and he grabbed a hold of him and started pulling him down to the altar. The old boy had his heels drug in, dug in, saying, I, not now, not right now. He said, I, I don't, I don't want to be baptized. He said, oh, we need to baptize you. Amen. Well, we're not that desperate here this morning, but I'm telling you, you need to have a heart that is willing. You need to have a heart that is yielded, a heart that is surrendered, that would say, hey, I'm open to God moving in my life. I don't want to just go halfway with God, but I'm willing to go all the way to the baptismal tank and take on his name in baptism. I want to receive this wonderful experience of the Holy Ghost. Or maybe you've already received this wonderful experience of the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I've been baptized before. Are you certain you were baptized in the name of Jesus? Because the titles won't do. Amen. Being baptized in some other name won't do. There's only one name that remits sins. That's the name of Jesus Christ. And if I wasn't certain about it, I want to make it sure. I'd want to make it certain. I wouldn't want to take any chances with my salvation. I'd be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ for the remission of sins stand with me right now let's lift up our hands to the Lord come on let's give praise to the Lord hallelujah hallelujah what's holding you back what's hindering you Let's stay in a spirit of prayer right here. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. You know, there's a lot of things that can hinder people. I just want to name a few. Tradition can hinder people. Well, I'm, I'm religious. Religiosity is not going to save you. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to save you. I'm a good person. Being a good person isn't going to save you. It's being obedient to the word of God that's going to save you. Well, I belong to certain, certain church. Because you're a member of the church necessarily, and you signed a membership role doesn't save you. You need to get your name written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. Tradition will not make you free. But let me tell you what the Bible said about the truth. It says you shall know the truth. A revelation of the truth is going to come to you. And you should know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Make you free. Tradition is not the only thing. Pride. Pride is a hindrance to a lot of people. Hinders a lot of people. I'm going to tell you something. You don't get inoculated from pride just because you got down here in this altar and got the Holy Ghost. That's something that is, that's the roots of it's going to be there. 
you're going to deal with that part of your flesh until you get to heaven. And your pride's going to tell you you don't need to worship. And your pride's going to tell you you can't weep in the presence of others. Your pride's going to tell you you can't magnify the Lord. And your pride's going to tell you not to step out and come to the altar. And you can't be broken before God. But let me just say it this way. There's not one thing you'll give up to go to heaven that you will not give up to go to hell. Including your pride. There's no prideful folks in hell. There's no prideful folks in hell. They're all crying out for one drop of water. So why not come to the altar and be dismissive of your pride and dismissive of all the distractions of this world? That's another hindrance. That's another hindrance is the love of the world. The love of the world. First John chapter number 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Matthew 6 and 24 says, No man shall serve two masters. Either he will serve the one and hate the other, or love the one and else hold on to the other. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. You gotta make up your mind. I'm leaving it behind. I'm leaving it behind. I'm leaving it behind. Amen. I don't love this world more than I love God. I don't love this world. It's not competing with my some of you in this place. I'm not talking to our guests now, but some of you in this place love the world so much. Amen. But you're gonna give up the world one of these days. I said you're gonna give up the world one of these days. You say, Well, I'm young. I got a lot of days ahead of me. I'm just gonna tell you something. Don't think so so sure of yourself. Amen. One little event in your life could turn everything around and you wish to God you'd have been obedient to the voice of the Lord in a service just like this. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. Link up with somebody and let's pray together right now. The Holy Ghost is ministry. The Holy Ghost is touching people's hearts. The Holy Ghost is moving on people right now. I don't know that I've ever done this in my life. But I wonder before we even go any further in this service, is there somebody, you'd step right up here and say, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name right now. You see what I'm talking about? Amen. The Holy Ghost has been moving on these sisters. These are good ladies that God has dealt with and moved on. And I'm so thankful for the touch of God. I want you to lift your hands right now. These ladies have been repenting. These ladies have been walking with God and the knowledge that they had. Amen. But God is going to touch them today. And God is going to move upon them today. Amen. And God's going to work in their lives here this morning. Amen. And God's going to fulfill His promise in their life. Amen. We're going to be patient with them. We're going to work with them. We're going to help them because God is moving and God is doing great things for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on to this altar right now. Help us.